Warning, ProTri News is a podcast with different opinions, knowledge and possibly fake news about triathlon racing. This is not for the faint of heart. If you get offended or hurt by what is said, please stop listening and go listen to some uplifting meditation music or just go work out, then try again. Hello and welcome back to another episode of ProTri News. This is your temporary host, Talbot. Uh, this weekend, Kyle cannot join us. He has so much going on at work, and he just missed a lot of days for the Dallas Open. So uh, I'm going to attempt to be your host today. But uh, joining on the podcast, we have uh, Mark, Mark, Mr. Mark Matthews. How you doing? This is a, it's a reasonable time for us, 6 o'clock in the evening. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Tired, but um, all good. Yeah, enjoyed watching weekends of racing and then the world's biggest ever televised event yesterday. So decent. We, 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 sh- we should definitely hit on that um, at the end. Uh, another person joined us this weekend, uh, Mr. Pat Lemieux, who was in Dallas this weekend. Boots on the ground. How you doing? I'm doing great. I had to apologize to my clients. I watched both the men and the women's race with no shirt on uh, because it was so hot on the course. So I, I had to apologize to, to all of them that, you know, you just you never want to see me without a shirt off. And unfortunately, I was... Uh, cheering them on the whole time so uh yeah great great weekend in dallas and i'm thrilled to you know touch on that later in the show what did mikhail eden describe that view as i just i think it was dad bod full dad bod (laughs) do you have some aloe vera nearby pat the sunscreen application uh i did not miss out on so i'm totally fine there um it was just it was just a lot of pat uh that was visible <laughs> last but certainly certainly not least our boots on the ground all the way from super league and best friend of the winner <laughs> chelsea burns hey guys i did go all the way to super league it was almost 13 hours of driving and I told Taylor, gosh, I'm sure glad I did it because I had to make sure you won. But anyways, I got back to San Francisco at 10.30 p.m. last night, and I'm back to work here. But I'm excited to tell you about Super League from a live eye. Nice, nice. Well, um, we have a pretty good show. We'll, we'll recap Dallas towards the end. But straight, I think we need to dive straight into Super League, which Super League was uh, in Malibu. And I don't know if anyone knows this breaking news, but it was so successful that actually yesterday, Kim Kardashian bought a house in Malibu just because of Super League. $70 million she spent. Really? Yeah, she actually did buy a house. I just saw that in the news like 30 minutes ago. But Chelsea... Recap. I love that that's probably on his news feed, isn't it? The cookies on Talbot's phone. That would have been a top story for Talbot based on news. So I actually know a little bit about the Kardashians because last year when I went to Super League, I went to brunch after the race with Flora in Calabasas, which is apparently where the Kardashians live. And she's obsessed with Kardashians. So we basically went to brunch there on a Kardashians hunt. No luck. Find them. No luck. That's no, tragic. No. Just tragic. So, I guess I'll have to return next year. But anyways, um, it is an interesting part of the country, Malibu, if no one has been. It's like everyone – so all the athletes actually stay about 25-minute drive, basically straight up and over the mountains in Agora Hills. Um, So they're not actually staying in Malibu. Everyone just treks down to Zuma Beach for the race. And we chatted a bit before. I think Pat had asked if I thought the turnout would be – any good because it is in the USA. We know Americans don't care about triathlon, um, but definitely a lower foot traffic area than London or Munich. And it was definitely a lower turnout. I think even than last year, I was there last year too, which was kind of disappointing. They did have an age group race in the morning and then there was a celebrity relay event the next morning. So it wasn't for lack of, I guess, people around, but um yeah, I think they have some work to do just putting those putting that US race in a place where there's going to be spectators because I think having spectators around just makes a triathlon look better on TV and they they put effort into that TV. Um yeah, Pat. There will be a theme here later in hot takes, okay? But I'm happy that you brought this up for Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but I was there in full spectating force. I feel like I, you know, made up for some of the lack of humans. Uh, it was an eliminator format this time. Uh, also unique was the ocean start. So they did have a fair bit of swell, which impacted the race. Uh, definitely, I mean, it's all about timing and luck and those people that have been surf lifesavers before are a lot better at catching waves. Uh, Taylor maximized on a wave in the third round and actually dropped who was swimming on her feet. And um, it can, it definitely helped her get that victory. Um, but yeah, it was uh, three rounds with a little break. Eliminator format. Taylor Spivey took the win. Uh, Miriam Casillas Garcia from Spain was second. And Georgia Taylor Brown, who crashed on a sandy corner in the second round, was third. So she had a little bit of a deficit to make up from crashing. Summer Rappaport had a really good race. I was really impressed that she raced, and she was fourth. Um, was that the same corner that is Hauser crashed on as well? I was trying to figure that out. I didn't exactly see where they went down. I was kind of... Um, it's actually interesting when you're watching it in person, I think you see less than when you're watching sure. on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you kind of definitely miss some stuff. So I missed a bit of the men's. I was just kind of socializing as I do with my female friends. But um, yeah, it, there, there were a few crashes. Another crash in the female race. Uh, who was it? Sean Rainsley had a front flat. Also took out Beth Potter, who... Yeah, so... Uh, technical kind of in a parking lot course um and as you said in the men's race hauser went down and it caused him to be eliminated before he even made it to the final round which was a pretty big bummer um he was coming off of winning last week in munich and as you guys know i'm really hyped on this kid in super league but hayden wild won um sagiv israeli boy was second pretty big result for him um and definitely, I, I love seeing new names on the podiums in these formats. And Vasco Velasa, who was bit by a seal just several days before the race, also got on the podium in third. So that's what went. What happened? And we need we need we need a full recap on Cam Worth. Oh yeah, that's the whole reason why all the while the uh, all the long. I've been wondering. I've just been waiting People for that. Bit. What, what, yeah, yeah Cam Worth. Okay, I never saw him racing. I saw him walking around after he'd been eliminated, and I asked him. I said, "Are you Cameron Worth? Can I take did a really? to send to my podcasting friends?" And I think <laughs> he did. He had no idea who I was, and he's like, "Okay." And so I sent you guys a photo of us. But he did get knocked out in the very first round, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Pat. Chelsea, I have a question. What did these guys do about getting their wetsuits back on in between races? Did they have three no dry wetsuits or was it were they all just like spending... there's was was no wetsuit? Yeah, it was no, no wetsuit. It was actually quite warm. Well, were they, so the photos I saw of them in wetsuits were they were warming up in wetsuits. Yeah, warming up. And I think some uh, of them wore uh, them the day before. Um, but okay, yeah. But beautiful california day it was quite humid actually so but definitely the, felt a lot warmer but the water was i mean the water i mean the, the ocean is cold there i mean it's, yeah it's, i mean it's it's colder but it's it's not san francisco it's definitely southern california ocean ocean waves okay. so yeah. i apologize for the dumb question then another interesting thing that um not everyone realizes is so they're kind of doing quite a bit of sand running every time they're running up and out of the surf onto the bike transition um but they've got only a few minutes in between rounds which requires them basically resetting up their transitions getting their cabin goggles back on and then running down the sand again so they're hoofing it up and down the sand like six or eight times over the course of that racing period which if you guys have ever walked in sand you know that it's not easy mm. so it's just kind of seeing the gassed faces as they come out of that surf running up sand it's a it's a lot different than any of the other swims these guys are doing in triathlons yeah. nice nice and then they have a week break or they race this next weekend as well they have a weekend off um so most of them headed back to europe last night on a flight out of lax um i sent taylor off but they will be in toulouse weekend after so 
a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, there was two Ironman events on this last weekend, uh, 70.3 Dresden and Ironman Italy, I believe. Mark, can you uh, hit us away with those? Because I won't be able to pronounce one name. Well, in Dresden, uh, Carolyn Fole took the win in the end and Nikki Bartlett second after uh, the Estonian winner of Dresden was disqualified, which I, I know Kaidi. Um, she comes from the ITU scene. This would have been a huge first win for her as a, um, a 70.3 race. Decent money would have been like a little bit of a breakthrough for her. That's what she's focusing on now. But she was disqualified for like the 10K point accidentally overtaking someone on the wrong side of the road when there was loads of cones everywhere and they were involved. She's quite a good swimmer. They were involved with slow male pro swimmers. And she had like one overtake at a wrong spot and was instantly disqualified, which I don't know, like I'm all for like you have rules, you stick to them, as I always say. But at the same time, like if you're not even trying to enforce drafting rules in half your races for a Ironman, like disqualifying Kaidi for that and then not telling her until the very end is a bit of a savage because she probably could have pulled the pin and saved herself for a different race. So unfortunate for Kaidi there. But, you know, a bit of a bonus for Carolyn Fault and uh, Nikki Bartlett from the UK who took second and then, then Daniela Kleiser took third. I don't think there'll be particularly huge PTO points there because the run times versus the men don't look turbo fast, but some solid races there. Um, in the men's, uh, it was Frank's, Franz Losch won the men's with Jonas Hoffman in second place. Um, but uh, again, quite a low profile race. Yeah. Then we went across to Ironman Italy, where I didn't watch the race um, because there was lots of other racing going on at the time. But I do know that Svenja Toes won the Svenja Toes won the women's race. So Svenja is the woman that was disqualified in Ireland. And there's a pretty interesting video put out by Ironman Try themselves of Svenja racing, where she's on the back wheel of her age group male, uh, goes to overtake him, decides not to. She's set up on his wheel and then just drops back again. So it's drafting, right? Like there were a bit unverse road conditions. She's come wide or whatever, but Ironman even put this up like Svenja Toes closing on the winner, but she could find herself in trouble for this. Like, you know, she's just broken the rules. You've recorded her as an organization. And then they put out the next video celebrating her fantastic victory. You're like, do something. <laughs> like, do something about it. Because um, Svenja has a bit of a sketchy reputation for quite a lot of drafting. Uh, but Julie Derren on a road bike from Switzerland took second. Uh, and Joanna Reiter took third. Joanna Reiter had a decent run with a 248. I'm not sure how accurate the run was. I haven't looked into it, but that was the podium there. Anyway, done. That's all yeah. of our non-PTO races covered. Nice, nice. Um, all right, let's dive into the U PTO US Open, which um, I believe Pat was on the ground there too. Uh, even with Reese, uh, we always knock motos. I would say that this is one of the most fair races I've, I've ever witnessed. I know that there was a lot of flack. Uh, we kind of even made a stink on our show as well. The uh, lead moto could have been a little bit further ahead on the front, but whatever to that, because I don't think it assisted Taylor too much. Taylor was just phenomenal on the day. And Taylor, Taylor did, kept that is. waving it clear, by the way, didn't she? Taylor yes. Taylor kept waving it clear. I know she was quite stressed throughout the race about it. Like, that's yeah. how you've got to be as an athlete, like show your own integrity. So yeah, fair place, to, Taylor. Yeah, yeah and, to, and to just for the fans and audience to know, I, I think it's, it's clear. So the, the PTO rules were adjusted as such that it was the athlete's responsibility to maintain a 20 meter draft or 20 meter distance from the lead moto. However, the dynamics of when you are at the front of the race trying to charge forward and the bike is, you know, what you believe to be somewhere less than 20 meters. It's very challenging as an athlete to go, okay, I'm going to throttle my speed. I don't, I just don't think it can ever be the athlete's responsibility. I think they should gesture maybe like, but that's ultimately what it was. Cause I think it would have been this reverse half wheeling thing where had she slowed down, the bike would have kept slowing down. And so Mm -hmm. I think all you can do is signal, get away to know, to, to give the intentions that, you know, you do not desire them there. And I think it was made very clear. uh, I mean, can't, I emailed, I emailed the PTO within the first lap of the bike. And I think after lap one, 
the front the front moto was taken care of. The one, yeah, in front yeah. of the one let's just not let's not let them get away with it though, because the the one in front of the group of four was also pretty bad at times. Like let's just yeah. let's just keep pushing for it to be filmed let's, from behind. But, like, but, but, Film from behind. <laughs> yes, the the, pro, the the point I think that Talbot would make is that the women's race was obviously way better than Edmonton, and then I would say the men's race they nailed. That it was, was incredible. That it was, was incredible. The best, that was the best. Like so, whatever the crew the the crew that was on the motorbikes, I don't know if you can keep them for all now of the PTO races. It looks like that's they that's should. It, it was much better. I completely but those yeah. guys. Um, those guys learned the job and understood the demands of the course because it did get quite narrow as you were coming in, basically the one yeah. into T1 and then or transition and then the one K out. Um, let's, let's, let's do, let's do a quick female recap. Uh, Taylor Nib and Lucy came out of the water together uh, in Thorsten's uh, magic notes. He said that Taylor would struggle. Uh, she needed to limit her loss and coming out of the water with Lucy in order to do good in this race. Taylor swam on Lucy's hip the entire day. Well, I think uh, I think Thorsten was right. So Lucy chose not to wear a swim skin because she knew she's fast enough anyway. Taylor chose to rose ro- like roll hers down so that she had like the fastest possible swim setup. Like and mm-hmm. and Lucy definitely almost dropped her. Like it, <laughs> Lu- I, th- I thought that was kind of spot on, and and Taylor did a great job. I don't think she swam on her hip, mate. She looked like she yeah. was pretty hanging on there. Hanging on, but but they came out of the water together. Um, they basically Lucy right out the gate uh, didn't had a mechanical malfunction. One of her batteries was um, had a mechanical error. I think it was dead, uh, not dead like battery dead. Like she clearly charged charged it, but she was stuck in a low gear. Uh, and the mechanic staff had an additional battery switched it out for her. Uh, she was good to go. But at that point, she was already dropped from Taylor. He saw Taylor open up or deliver a phenomenal ride with the fastest split of the day by like nearly three minutes. Um, and then there was a PAX behind and all that, but who raced their own race all day long, wasn't afraid to let the group go. Ashley Gentle uh, then got onto the run and just annihilated the field shows that she can run in the heat all day long. Uh, so, yeah, actually to, to a level that puts her in through. a different league to any oh, yeah. female, a completely yeah. different league. Utterly phenomenal run, and yeah. fairly competitive in the men's field too. The run was yes. not far off being competitive in the men's field. Again. Not only that, Chelsea, it was three times hotter on the women's run than it was in the men's run. Like, I mean, it wasn't even the same. Yeah, it was cr- because the the sun had come down over the building, so I'd say sixty seventy percent of the men's course was shaded, and the female course, the sun was right on top of them, so they were had just a little shade. I would say anecdotally, it felt like the men's bike was hotter. But yes, the, but the, the men's the the men's run was absolutely way cooler, um, just given that of uh, the where the sun was. So we had like a ton of shade on the run, um, but it was I mean it was I think three or four degrees Celsius warmer on the bike, and and that was that was quite hot. And it's obviously it's all on concrete. Um, yeah, it was just like they're just going up and down the same road. Mm-hmm. Um. um I'd, I'd say another breakthrough performance in the day, Lisa Norton showed that she was in phenomenal uh, shape, especially in the heat. Uh, usually you don't see this from Lisa. You don't see her much doing. I was very shocked to see Lisa up there. Not really surprised at all to see Jocelyn McCauley, a long course. So athlete I would up say there, that was more impressive. Jocelyn. That, yeah. Jocelyn's I, always like that though. No, Jocelyn's run was excellent. Jocelyn yes. ran. Look at Jocelyn's run compared to previous years of, of that sort of distance. Jocelyn's run was really good. I would say Lisa was just tactically smart. The only yeah. person that did less work on the bike than her all day was Duffy. Like, Lisa was in that group with... And the only people that pulled turns in that group were Holly Lawrence did the lion's share of that. Paula did a couple of turns. I, I'm surprised there was no drafting penalty and someone's just knocked my door from within that group so i'm going to go and take this parcel not talk about drafting and uh, let you carry on with the men's <laughs> flora uh, if you didn't watch the race she didn't go to the front but i don't think it's because it i don't think that we saw a lot of athletes we'll get into this in the men's race as well i think i didn't get to chat with flora much but she when we chatted for a second she seemed like that she definitely well overheated lots of athletes overheat it's not like that flora wasn't or she probably wasn't capable because she's probably overheating and then just hanging on for dear life. So not saying that she like wasn't strategically doing that. I, it was a hot freaking day. Did you chat with her much Chelsea? I mean, I was just going to say, I honestly, 
am not the expert on this type of racing, but I think that for people who this is kind of one of their first few times being in this type of race, figuring out kind of the dynamics of that pack. Like she told me, she was like, I don't know. It was kind of, I think, surprising how pack-esque it was and how hard it is to get by and how Mm -hmm. getting to the front of that would require a thousand watt kind of situation, which is probably of interest to many. I I don't know. I think that obviously Mark left us here. I'm playing team Flora, but uh, yeah, I think there's obviously you have to learn how to do this kind of racing in a, in a strategy and pack riding kind of way too. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the men's race. Uh, the men's race, uh, so freaking cool to see an underdog win it. Um, if you, if you tuned in, um, basically Colin Chartier raced a phenomenal race, uh, basically at his pace from the start, uh, ahead of the race, uh, bugs and Amberger and all them had a chat. Pat may, might be able to fill us in a little more on that. Yeah, I think I think the chat around with the what we saw, there was a lot of whispers going on pre-race that the the best swimmers were not going to go full gas. Uh, I think that we saw when they jumped in the water from lap one and really by the time they got to the first can, which is just under 500 meters, uh, it was clear that there was a pack of roughly 25 men and it was rather bunched up. And, and the men were going to, I don't want to say take it easy, but they weren't going to just try and go full gas from the swim with the, with the swimmers that had the capacity. So what we saw was uh, essentially a, a massive group, 25 mm-hmm. riders leave transition. Again, I think it was visually what I saw on the course there. Everybody was super fair and they started riding hard and they're what came to be a i'll call it roughly a group of 13 maybe 14 and sam laidlow was off the front florian angert uh went across to him it was the two of them and then eventually uh sam either i don't think he was dropped i think that he let off and florian angert came off the bike first and in the meantime you had had Magnus Ditlev, who I think had a uh, worse swim than anticipated. He was chewing through uh, the groups. And as he was doing that, once he met that front group of 13, he split it initially in half. It was down to six. And at that time, Colin Chartier was on the back of what would have been that group of 12 or 13. He made that front split of six. And then Magnus put in another surge where he seemed to be very calculated in his efforts, just based on his splits. Uh, and he chopped it down to three. And so uh, I think for, for Colin to, to make both of those moves, we, we knew uh, when it was Magnus, Ditlev, Sam Long, and Colin Chartier uh, off on the bike together, uh, we probably anticipated that, that Colin was going to have the best run. Uh, ultimately on the run. Sam I don't Long, think so. I don't think we, I think, Oh, Everyone so. in the world, no, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, no, no. I think once I just, I think there's no chance of Colin Chartier getting off the front with Magnus, is what I thought. But once yeah. he got off the front with Magnus, then I thought he could really win this. But I mean, I was, I mean, he is riding so well. This, this, yeah. this magic new um, lactate testing must, oh, must do wonders. Well, just to emphasize real quick on how slow the swim was. Sanders and Lionel were both in Edmonton four minutes down out of the water. Like, I mean, no, that's pedestrian. Sanders, Sanders and Sam Long, Lionel Sanders and Sam Long were four yeah. minutes down in Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. Collins Cup, it was like 350, and they were literally solo. They didn't even have the pack assistance. And then here they come out of the water 215 down. I mean, it's yeah. mental how slow the front guys I mean, you've swim. got to think that Royal and Canute like regret. And they were swimming Look- backstroke. They, I mean, they, but yeah, but they, they did it deliberately because no one wanted to work hard that early, surely. But it did not yeah. pay off for them. Like They didn't get an easy ride on the bike, and they did worse overall than they would have done, I think, personally. And I it, don't think you'll see them try that again. And, and something interesting, too, ahead of the race, uh, of course, the Norwegian Magic chatted with Mikal, uh, or Mikal chatted with Colin and stuff. They talked about how hot the bike was going to be. There was a lot of talk of a lot of, about a lot of the females, Pat even emphasized on this. Um, that said, we don't need to wear our TT helmets. In fact, if you watch Taylor Nib, oh, she was really criticized on 
why is she wearing an aero helmet? I mean, why, why is she not wearing aero helmet? Why is she wearing a road helmet? So Colin took this and was like, all right, well, then I'm not going to wear, I'm going to take the shell off the front, the visor off and just wear sunglasses so I can get more room to breathe. And I think that it ultimately paid off for him as he never overheated. And a lot of athletes really struggled with that later on in the race. And a lot of the male athletes said it was hot, hot, hot. Uh, someone and just you actually like, don't know, by the way, if the visor is more aero or not until you test in a wind tunnel. Some people, the visor is less aero than, than without a visor. So don't mm-hmm. just assume the visor is more aero and where if you're an age group listening to this going to Kona, like, there's a very good chance that actually you're more aero without it. It's without a visor a and sunglasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. you need to test it before you make that decision. And, and Chris Lieto was there as well. And he went, just like what Mark said, he went to the wind tunnel many times and he found when he took the visor off and wore sunglasses, it was faster yeah, than exactly. every wind tunnel test. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, kind of like what you said, I thought Magnus, uh, Sam just blew through the field. Uh, and then we all thought watching, oh, Sanders is just chilling. He's just hanging out and he's going to run through this field. He completely overheated on the bike. Uh, there must be a level of humidity and heat that just wiped a lot of these athletes. Look at Aaron Royal as well. I think a lot of people thought Aaron Royal was going to run th- through the field as well. And, uh, Colin just handled it flawlessly. And then not only that, which we can get on later on in the show in the hot notes, Colin is phenomenal in the heat. Uh, he's been with Lionel the last couple of weeks in Tucson and Lionel struggles with the heat. Colin's just chilling. I mean, his sweat rate, all that, how much he loses on their runs. Lionel will lose like five, six pounds. Colin loses like nothing. He's like a camel. So phenomenal racing. Huh? Colin the camel. Colin the camel. Not only that, Sebi finished the race and said this is in his entire career of racing. He believes that this was the most fair and officiated race he has ever seen. How many cars and penalties were given out in the men or women's race? Uh, from what I saw, and I was on a moto the entire time, only one drafting penalty should have been given out, and that was to Paul Pina. Should have been. There wasn't a Should've single been. penalty. So he thinks it's the fairest race ever, and yet you had a hundred athletes race over two days, and not one. It of was them Mark. It was that. really, it was really hard for people to see online because we were getting pounded with messages. But all of us that were there, if you could have seen it, I was watching. The motos were behind. Athletes kept a very respectable distance. I mean, Pablo Depino was probably riding like 17, 18 meters. It's not even like he was riding ten. It was just that he was inside. Oh, is this the men's race? This is the men's race. Yeah. Even the women's race, too. Pat was out there, too. I mean, it was – I mean, it's never going to be perfect, but it was the most fair long course distance race that I've ever seen as well. Nice. Cool. So, And it sucks for those athletes that they're literally about to go to Kona where it is like 10-meter pack riding, (laughs) and that front pack is going to be – insane in the men's race in the men's race for sure yeah yeah 10 meters doesn't help you against daniela rife unfortunately in the women's race yeah yeah i think you'd, you'd need 30 centimeters there for that to be of any use um and then one more thing too the front moto and the men's race they switched the lens because they still got some complaints online and it was really cool to see that they adapted and changed not that it was a big problem in the women's, they switched to a more zoomable lens and they even zoomed in more so that it was even a bigger gap in the men's race. They've definitely made steps in that department, haven't they? All around. Yeah. Good for the they PTA. listen to the athletes, so which is really, really cool. Um, listen to us, mate. Listen to us, mate. Not the athletes. Don't worry about that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, other than that, it was a phenomenal weekend, but I think the first hot take that we need to dive into is something that both races it seemed like it struggled with. It was interesting to hear what uh, Chelsea said earlier. It could have been the heat, but there was not very many spectators. Don't host races in the USA. So we, there's a couple. There's a couple pieces here, um, and I and I think this was the the biggest thing that I was left with. Uh, we saw this when World Triathlon was hosting races in Chicago. Uh, when you go to a major city where there are major sports teams like the Dallas Cowboys or the Chicago Bears, uh, and they're playing the weekend that the event is happening, this has happened twice now in the sport of triathlon, nobody will come to the triathlon. So I think, one, when you're going to these cities that are that have massive populations, it's a, it's a struggle. 
to this was obviously this was more in like a, a business district that that was not highly uh, populated with businesses. Um, I think of the the PTL race from the weekend, and there was amazing coverage. Uh, the racing was was more fair than we've ever seen. However, it was insanely hot. So the people that did the age group races, where their hundred k race was cut in half on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. now they finished at ten a.m. They are not going to wait four hours and forty five minutes in a hundred degree heat to to watch. They're just going to put their bike in their car and head home. Um, I think the reality is, is that this weekend was a, should, should be seen as a, a very, very big wake up call for the PTO. And I would suggest that they either, if they race in the U S they have to do two things. One, they either need to be in tandem with, uh, USAT age group national championships, and they need to say, Hey, We'd like to come be a part of it. We understand that we're going to be a standalone event, but we need to be next to where there's a massive population of people that would be into this sport. Or they need to extend an olive branch to Ironman and say, hey, let's take a race like 70.3 Oceanside and you run the 70.3. We would like to own the pro race. and We're going to pay you to do that. And we're going to make the broadcast happen there because I mean that would be amazing, but I just don't believe they'll do it with Iron Man. Right. I don't. But, but, I don't believe they will. The, you're the right. Problem, the problem is, if you are thinking about investing in this sport as a as a non endemic or even an endemic business, and you stay at home and you watch the broadcast, you think that's an amazing product and it's worth investing in. If you go to the event and there's more athletes and staff than there are fans, that to me is a very uh, big problem. I tend to agree more. And, and, it, and it needs to be addressed. So they need to go, okay, we are, what, are, what is the PTO amazing at? Hosting and owning events and the broadcast. That's great. What do they need help with? They desperately need help with attracting um, age groupers to do the events. And then they need they need more fans there, and so they need to they need to probably lean in and look for an organization that is fantastic at attracting age groupers to their events. Although, no, man, convince people to tattoo their logo on their skin, let alone turn up to the event. To, to, I mean, they really to, have that nailed down. Maybe free M dot tattoos if you come. Free M dot. Lucy Charles has already got hers nipped. So has Matt Hansen. The rest all need them. I think. To fit to defend PTO, and they haven't given us any look or insight into this. I would love to see the broadcast numbers because this could still be a scenario of there might be a lot of people watching Oceanside, but are those actually does it look better on TV, or are those just actually significant others watching happen to watch look like they're watching the pro race, but they're just there because they're females or their spouse or it doesn't. Yes, yes, but. What if they're let's say on that there's five thousand people racing? What what if, what if PTO has twenty thousand, fifty thousand people watching? I mean, I have no idea. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, that... but that, that's one aspect that Pat's already addressed. Like they can market that right. This is mm-hmm. how many brand. This is how many people watch the event. Are you interested in sponsoring? And the guy goes, Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely interested. Let me come to one of your events. And then he gets there, and it's there's a ghost town. Or like Chelsea said, it definitely looks better on TV when there are crowds. When there's empty streets, it looks rubbish. But when there's big crowds there, like Chelsea suggested in Malibu, the broadcast looks better. Okay, one, um, one more thing, Chelsea. You, do you did, did you know any difference in Super League? Like, was there a race right before or right after last year? Were you able to see any difference in why they lacked spectators this year? There wasn't many last year. There weren't many last year, but it did feel lighter than last year. There was a race right before, but as we were like heading in to go get ready for super, like the pros, all the age groupers were filing out with their bikes. They were leaving as we were coming. I think, Talbot, this is one of these situations where um, your employment in the PTO and your recent having pissed them off slightly is is maybe making you slightly more defensive of the organization than potentially this argument warrants. Sorry, can I say one more thing, Talbot? Yeah. Okay. Not to get back to Super League here, but I I think they're really, I mean, two really good 
organizations and races to look at because they're both very well endowed and wanting to bring a high level of triathlon broadcast to the world, right? So, I mean, I made this suggestion. I was just chatting with Taylor about this. And I said, first of all, the travel schedule, these are two things that I think they could do a really big job, better job with. They go from Europe to USA to Europe and put these kids through like the freaking ringer just to do these races. It's crazy the travel they do. I was like, why not do two USA races? Like have two California races back to back weeks, but also more on what we're talking about now. Malibu, Zuma Beach was a cool venue. I mean, it was fine, actually. It wasn't that cool. But simply moving it to somewhere like Santa Monica, where there are people around, I think would make such a massive difference. I mean, they're having the race in London, and there are just humans galore in London. Of course, there's going to be people there. Like, simply moving it to somewhere where a lot of people are around. I know that um, we referenced the Chicago World Series, where it was in downtown Chicago, which is, in theory very populated and still it was a pathetic amount of um, people on the course, but I don't know. I just think that there are definitely options in California where they could make a really cool venue and have crowds just based on there being people there in the first place. A a lot of that depends on road closures. Uh, I heard a number this weekend, $450,000 is what the police bill was for the Dallas race. 450,000, which is gnarly, but kind of like what Mark said, I don't think we'll really know until we see a PTO tour event in Europe, if it actually is just North America and them just not caring because triathlon is so much bigger in Europe than it is in North America. So it could just be the region. I think my final point on this is what I've noticed, and I'm, I'm lucky that I've had touch points in endurance sports in the United States, in cycling, triathlon, and now running, the best events in the endurance space in North America, in the United States, happen in cities that are tier three or tier four cities. So if you go to a small city in Maine or in Iowa or in all of these other random places, those cities get behind the event in a much larger way than any place in LA, Chicago, Dallas, you, you, you have to look and, and Talbot, I think about the success that Ironman had in chat has had in Chattanooga and, and looking at cities like those that are, that just aren't like your marquee U S cities. Or like cycling's had in Tulsa, right? Like something like exactly. Exactly. That's perfect, Mark. So like those are those are places that get behind it and create a legacy of hosting an endurance event. And they're proud to host something that is um, when they can't have a a PGA golf event. So I think that's that's where the mindset needs to be. So find places where nothing else goes on. And then send a well-endowed organization there to uh, deal with the situation. Because Chelsea, until you said that phrase, I honestly thought well endowed only meant large yeah, penis. I'm sorry, I meant money. I didn't mean that, Mark. I got you, got you. Just it wanted could to be also sure. be the case. I don't want to speak on that though. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, okay. So that was our first hot take. Second hot take, which is Kyle put on here. Uh, Colin with that on the rim brake bike. Mark, you want to make a comment, or do you not really care? I think rim brake bikes are probably faster than disc brake bikes aerodynamically, but but yeah. I don't care. I, I think he won't be on it for long because he'll get a good sponsor out of this and they'll want him on a disc brake bike. And I don't know how long neutral services will keep rim brake bikes for. So, yeah, yeah, not interested in it. I think it's just where he's at in his career and where his, where his sponsorship's currently sat. I think we'll soon see him on a rim brake, a disc brake bike after watching that. Um, podium athletes, all three in the men's race, didn't use any... Uh, data. Colin, when he dove into the water, his watch got knocked off. So if you're looking for a free Wahoo watch, it's in the bottom of uh, that Lake Cleanest. Well, he bought that himself as well in uh, Girona. Yeah. Got it, mate. He'll get a free one now. He's one of Pete's yeah. guys. And he can yeah. also probably afford one now. Yeah, he yeah, can he afford, can afford one. one. Yeah. Um, Sam does is no longer racing with a power meter. He's racing off a of fuel. He said he did it in the last uh, three races. He's enjoying it. Uh, Magnus's power meter never connected, so he went off. So what's there to read from this? Like two of them just had malfunctions, but maybe it gave them the freedom and the heat that they weren't scared of the heart rate is maybe what he's saying. Or does it just show listeners that it's possible, right? Let's not become a slave to data. 
Yeah, I think yeah. that's all I'd take away from that personally. Mm-hmm. And they and they all three raced good when it didn't go their way. So I'm sure a lot of amateur athletes, right when they're racking their bikes, so their power meters not yeah. reading the race morning and all that. You don't need to freak out. Just you just get on, on with it, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, last uh, hot take is uh, I suppose I was about to say PowerPoint. Will cost of producing races become a factor um, or contention for the PTO. I mean, that was a big, big production for the PTO with not a lot of people there, but we still haven't seen the numbers. Um, so I, I... so they, they, they still have this like not blank check from Mike Moritz, but like he's, he's funding them big time for a few years and it's supporting mm-hmm. athletes brilliantly and what they're doing for the sport is incredible. It does become a factor in like if if they if they lose him and they have to try and run the organization with several small sponsors, like it leads into a portion of their budget. But we just have to assume their budget has to be high enough to to factor in the cost of production. And it's one of those like the more you invest, the more you hope to return. And it's just finding that balance, isn't it? Yeah. I guess. I don't know. In my opinion, I see best of both worlds. Um, and this is just this is me not hearing anything just coming up with this on my own. I think one the most incredible thing for the PTO is if Mike Moritz could get with one or two other partners and they could purchase Iron Man. I feel like that that would take it to new heights. You could make the make the long course world or long course tour race in Kona. Then you could do all these other different races. Uh, I just them partnering would be a dream. Would be I I hate to say this. I see it being one of the very easy ways that PTO is able to succeed is if the acquisition takes place. I completely I'm just agree. thinking about purchasing Iron Man. It's like, okay, just swipe your credit card. Is that what For that these people, like? Chelsea, that's what it's like. <laughs> it's a lot of money still, Iron Man. It would still be like they'd have to leverage from a hedge fund somewhere for it not to be too much of a personal investment. But it, um, it could be done. Like it can be done, and the value of Iron Man's definitely decreased over the last few years. So it's probably becomes more realistic. And I imagine something they've looked at, right? Can I just throw in one hot take before we wrap up from a listener because they submitted it, and we're bad yep. at them not doing it. We asked them to do it. Uh, Cliff Wong comes in with um, this week has been the recent slight downfall of Ben Canoe and Ellie Salthouse on the female side. Both were regular, regularly on the top podiums a couple of years ago. Uh, he's not suggesting they both need coaching changes, but something big needs to change for all. Do we agree? I, I actually separate them a little bit, and this time will maybe become a popular I think Ellie Salthouse never overrated. She's had some decent results, but she's she's not won a huge amount of competitive races with large fields. So just, just to expect her to come and win or even like podium in the PTO Dallas is a big ask for Ellie, even back in the day. That would be a great result for her. But Ben Canoe, I think, underperformed in the last couple of races. Like, he needs that swim. He needs that gap. And then he's a front-racing athlete waiting for the race to come to him, I think, because he's a mistake. What are your thoughts? Uh, huh? we, 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 we chatted on it earlier in this year. Uh, we were so excited about it. This is going to be one of the first years that I think we all said that we were going to see the top athletes in the world race each other five times. Unfortunately, every time we see Ben racing at the in a race, it's at – you got to remember he's racing the best athletes in the world. I mean, we are very fortunate to watch these high caliber races because it's never been like this. Usually it's been Knut in Oceanside versus uh, I wouldn't ben, put him on the ben, same ben. level of Ellie, but there's been has gotten a second place in Chattanooga. But like you said, he needs that swim. And then when he was in Chattanooga, if you remember in 70.3, he was able to sneak away on the bike because no one cared about Ben. Then. But if can oh, my thing is if Colin can win, Ben could have won that. Anyway, guys, sorry, Karen Charles. This comes back to our conversation on the Olympics. Who wanted Ben on the freaking relay? He's just not good enough, guys. <sighs> that's, that's I I think that. with some training method changes or philosophy, Ben can be up there. I'm not okay. sure we know. I don't know. I don't think we're I don't think we're well positioned or educated enough on yeah, what training he's doing to comment on that. Like because yeah, it's nothing more annoying. Imagine, you know, he's doing probably great training. We're gonna sit I and go, know. it's training scrap. Yeah, I don't want to. I think we can. I mean, the question was asked about Ben and Ellie. I think ultimately this is a greater, uh, a greater assessment of just quality of field, right? I think mm-hmm. it boils down mm. to that. So the question was poised for those two, but obviously this applies to a lot more, a lot more people. Um, I'm, I much prefer these high stakes uh, championship style races 
as versus you know us talking about all of these random 70.3s that happen where you can sneak and you can hide behind a third place that was like a massive flop for an individual athlete right but like Lionel was clearly on a bad day and he gets out sprinted for 20th place he ends up 21st right but if he goes to Mount Tremblant 70.3 has a terrible day he's third and people kind of forget the score yeah you just has a terrible day he won no i'm saying saying if he has a terrible day at a at a tier four 70.3 he's third you have a terrible day at a major championship you get 21st i mean cat like that was obviously a tired performance and all that sort of stuff for her but the data she put out like wasn't still terrible it's not gonna it's not gonna be like beat her in lanza but it would have won her should have still won probably Wales with that. Should have won Estonia like she did last time with that performance. Like it, it's perfectly okay, and she's tenth, right, or ninth. Like the standard is just jumping yeah. on a bit, and it's not it's not a problem. It's like it's just you have to you have to focus on that race, like um, like Ashley Gentle does. These are her races this year, and if you're not one of the very top two or three in the world and focusing on it, you won't win it nowadays. Okay, yeah. can I go? Can I do a hot take? Yeah, then I need fish and chips, I think. All right. My my hot take on the weekend was uh, my assessment of, of this distance and of, of these races, if they're around, is these these races are uh, and this distance are going to breed their own uh, style of athletes. So now you're going to see athletes, I think, that are developing that will choose to not make the jump to the Ironman or the full distance. And Definitely. they'll go, they'll go, look. I plan to just stay at this PTO distance. I anticipate that they're going to add another open in Europe, another open in Asia. If I do four of these and I perform moderately at all of them, I'm making a great living. And, and this is something that I want to, that I want to do. So I think that what we'll do is what it's going to ultimately do is the, the true long course athletes, I think are going to not come down to this distance quite as often. And if they do, it's going to just be for a payday. Um, but ultimately you're going to see much more athletes. Like so I think, I think there might also be like a season split as well. So if you're one of the very best and you're rolling over your qualification from a podium at Kona, I think you might see people just race Kona and all the start of the season race a couple of hundreds and then build into it. But I think you're absolutely right. Like the, what if you're, if you're actually gentle, why on earth you would even consider doing an Ironman right now? She's taken on like 300 grand from these couple of hundred distance races this year. <laughs> no and, and and there's talk that they're adding two more races next year. So, and, I mean, yeah, how long, competitive yeah. will the 70.3 championship races even be next year? No, not at all. Anyway, yeah. go on. Big hot take from Talbot. If you read this <laughs> all online, it's hilarious. <laughs> I didn't mean to put them together. Colin and Kona Royal Family Funeral. <laughs> Colin and Kona Royal Family Funeral. Uh, it sounds like a hell of a party. I meant to say Colin and Kona. Uh, Mark might disagree with me, but I feel like that if you were to replicate Patrick Lang, you would get Colin. I agree. We haven't, seen, we haven't seen Colin. We haven't seen Colin's run pedigree to the near the level of Patrick Lang. Patrick Lang can spit out some. I mean, mind-boggling runs. But these are two little small guys. Some front pack able to hang on on the bike, be incredible cyclist, and then can run away with the field. I mean, do you see him being the best, like not only the best American in Coda since Tim O'Donnell or the Hoff, or maybe even getting on the podium? I don't think we need to fire up the hype train yet. My one observation that I had about Colin, besides the fact that he was on 10 speed Shimano uh, and his rear bottle cage was electrical taped to his saddle was uh, he looked I don't want to say terrible, but when I saw his first 5K of his run, I thought Colin does not look great right now. I'm like, this is not a foregone conclusion. Um, and I and I thought that Sam Long looked really good the first 5K. And then all of a sudden, the last 5K of the run, it's like Colin kind of loosened up and got into a much better run form and, and looked great uh, on, on the day. So that was just an observation. I, I think let's, let's not fire up the, uh, the, the hype beast. He's yet. pretty dialed on that little bike then, right? 
Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Really? he's got some nice Princeton wheels on that bad boy. The position looks good. Skin suit looks good. Yeah, he's yeah. not. He's not. He's not. He's not an amateur hour there. He's just not invested in it with the heavy sponsors yet. Let's see where he ends up with that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. let's not hype him. I agree, but he's definitely. Let's not count him out as well. One sponsor, Win Republic. Yeah, who's also been a fellow sponsor a of the family show. Family friend of the show. Anyway, yeah, last bit. Friend. Last bit. I put on here uh, Queen Elizabeth the second's wedding wedding funeral uh i tuned into it yesterday because i was driving home from dallas while i let it play in the background uh for like three and a half hours i it mean was madness, it was wasn't it? so what was that stuff we had over 60 percent of the world's population tuned in to watch it yeah i mean if you had those sort of numbers six billion at race, you'd be laughing it said six you? billion Absolutely billion with mad. a b a b or 5.1 billion that's what it was Anyway, you guys, you guys are very kind. You said it was beautiful and all this sort of stuff. And I said that, you know, in the UK, we're not the world's best at anything really anymore, except when it comes to ceremony and pomp. And then uh, we still take some beating in that front. It was a very proud day. Yeah. 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 So Any, anyway, you, you must feel proud to be in the army. Yeah. Those boys. What I wouldn't have wanted to do was be a coffin bearer. Those eight lads that were carrying that coffin, 360 kilos. I mean, imagine draw, and those steps up to Windsor were steep. The pressure yeah. now, I mean, you wouldn't want to have told them beforehand, would you, that 5.1 billion people were watching you try and carry a coffin? Like, that is not a low pressure job, that so well yeah. played. Let's... Yeah, pretty gnarly. All right, um, well, thanks everyone for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we will be kicking off this next week, uh, with probably some pre Kona stuff, uh, and then we plan on giving you guys lots of content going into Kona where you are super excited. Uh, Mark, myself will be in Kona. Kyle is coming. There's a 90% chance that he's coming 10% chance. That he doesn't just cause he's so busy with work. Um, but other than that, we will uh, continue on the hype and the build to the uh, final two championship races of the year with Kona and 70.3 worlds. Uh, and there are other races too that happen that are really big that aren't Kona. Championship. Championship. Yep, races. World Triathlon Series Championship coming up. Super League Championship there's, coming up. There's the World Championship this year? Yeah. I thought it's it already happened. Dhabi. No. Oh, I thought I, didn't, I thought the grand finale already happened. Thanksgiving weekend. What's that? Abu Dhabi. Sorry. Um, end of November, Mark. Oh, got it. End Thanks. of November. Yeah, end of it. November. Cool. Um, so we will see you soon. And uh, peace out.